up, everybody? It's Mikhail Casanova coming at you with another episode of Decked Up, a Steam Deck Gaming and Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova, and I'm here today to talk about quite a number of things, I guess you could say. There's a lot of things that I, I feel like um, talking about when it comes to uh, this, this whole outrage right now for uh, Nintendo. People are in their feelings like people are legit mad how dare nintendo decide to um stop or try to shut down the yuzu and emulation you got folks calling out nintendo like oh i dare you to take it down nintendo like oh my god it's it's funny to me this whole situation is funny because on the one hand i get the whole thing with emulation right you know, people want to emulate, and in many ways, there's a counter argument that people who emulate don't support the official releases for games that come out, and so they're just being pirates. So, okay, I, I kind of want to take a bit of a level-headed, as best as I can, uh, stance on this whole situation. And uh, that's not the only thing. We're going to talk about some other stuff as well. We're going to be talking about uh, we hit a milestone. So we have officially reached 20,000 subscribers on this channel on YouTube. I'm uh, incredibly excited about that. And other things I want to talk about is some of the stuff I've been doing over the weekend. You know, I got to interview a uh, voice acting, you know, uh, icon and Caitlin Glass. You guys know her as... Cammy in Street Fighter from Street Fighter 4, 5, Cross Tekken, and she's in Street Fighter 6, returning as Cammy. She's also a senior voice director at Crunchyroll. So that was really cool getting to interview her yesterday. And, you know, other than that, just my time on TikTok, because I've been doing a lot of streaming on TikTok and uh, I've been really enjoying it. I think it's kind of like stoked my passion for streaming to return. So, yeah, we're going to talk about all that. And before we do all that, you guys already know what to do. If you're watching the video format here on YouTube, make sure you like the video, sub to the channel. If you haven't already, leave a comment and, you know, all that good stuff. If you are listening to it on any of the major podcasting platforms, then, hey, you know, leave a rating, share it around, you know, all that good stuff. So all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get into talking about, first off, let's talk about the 20,000 subscribers. So that right there has been truly amazing. Like I honestly never thought I would get to a point before, um, when this channel was ever going to regain the momentum it once had. So for those of you who don't know, I've been doing this YouTube channel since technically 2015, but I officially took it seriously in 2016. And then I was kind of doing just about everything. You know, I was doing reactions, unboxings, because back then unboxings was like really, really a huge thing. So I was doing the unboxings. Uh, at one point I was doing giveaways, you know, I was doing reviews. I was just kind of all over the place before I really figured out what I wanted to do. And when I settled into doing podcasting, because I was doing podcasts with, uh, you know, one of my former best friends, and we 
you know, we, we had our own little show and then he ended up moving and then I had all the equipment left over and I just kept doing it. And so, you know, I created a cast of a podcast and initially it was just me talking about tech and then going on to me talking about things I was interested in, you know, beyond tech and then me interviewing other YouTubers and going from YouTubers to celebrities and industry folks. And it just became legitimately, I know I say often like Casanova podcast, number one podcast in Hawaii. It's not a joke because it is, you know, for what it's bringing for entertainment, tech and gaming, that is the number one show here. And just, it's really amazing to me that the shift that I, you know, when I shifted towards like, you know, celebrities and such, this the channel just really started taking off. And then the pandemic came around and that's when it just started tapering off because like, you know, I was going through and dealing with a lot of stuff, you know, from other content creators to, you know, stuff in my personal life and so much more. So it really just came down to being a situation where like, I just lost that focus and drive and motivation. I was kind of drifting for a bit. So the momentum I had started to fall off. And then when I started getting really back, you know, into the groove of content creating more serious, more dedicated, I had my second win from 2021 to, you know, 2022, especially when I started covering Steam Deck stuff, you know, that really, I, I got a massive surge from covering Steam Deck. But then I started to realize something and it's something that, you know, I, I feel like other creators who are making similar content and specific content, they may not care about this, which is why they have so many different channels. But I started to feel boxed in. And as much as I do love the Steam Deck, I don't want that to be the only thing I'm talking about. Right. So my shifting away from full on just steam that coverage did start taking a hit on the channel and started slowing down the growth. Like I went from gaining thousands of subs to it started trickling off. And so I shifted back into covering things I care about tech, gaming, entertainment, you know, anime and such. And while I do have a variety channel, YouTube now doesn't really encourage you to have a variety channel, even though they have everything in place for you to have, you know, you customize playlists, have podcasts and all this other stuff. It still wants to put you in a category and that's where you're at. So when I got stuck in the Steam Deck category and I couldn't do anything else, really, I didn't think I was going to be able to continue to grow. But thankfully, shorts came around and you guys know I put out shorts daily and a lot of people may not care about that, but, you know, short form content is the direction that content creation on all of these social media platforms is going. So either you're going to get on the trend and ride the wave or you're going to just refuse to do it and then wonder why you're not having success, which is what a lot of people have run into. So. By my covering uh you know, doing the shorts and, and all that stuff, which has really helped the channel continue to grow. You know, we, we finally, like I literally woke up today. I was like, oh snap, we got 20,000 subscribers. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. And so it's, it's just been a wild journey. You know, like I hit 10,000 back in, I want to say 
2019 and here we are in 2023 in May and I've hit 20,000. And so my goal is next. Like I want to, you know, of course, 30,000, 40,000, but my tier goals are, I want to hit 50,000 subscribers here on YouTube. And then I want to hit hundred thousand. Now do I have a time frame on it? I want to put a year on myself just to see if I can push and, you know, just go all out and, and make that happen. So that that's one of the goals for me personally, but it's just crazy. Like I'm, I'm here. It feels great. Um, but it's one of those things where like you, you achieve it, you know, like the, the way I am, when I achieve a goal, I don't really stop there. Like I'm not going to rest on it. I want to get to the next goal because it's a stepping stone and I want to keep going. So that's where I'm at now. And I'm very grateful to all of you who have supported, you know, the channel, all of you who are patrons, channel members, those of you who have stuck around for years, those of you who are new, thank you for helping make this possible because I'm incredibly grateful for that. But um, outside of that, um, yeah, the other things over the weekend that I actually got to do, this was really, really cool, was interviewing voice acting legend and icon Kaylin Glass. Like I said in the intro, she voices Cammy and Street Fighter, so Street Fighter 4, 5, Cross Tekken, and also the upcoming Street Fighter 6. She's a senior voice director over at Crunchyroll, which is crazy. I'm getting to talk to her for like an hour and a half just talking about and, and this is on the other podcast I do with my wife Lehua Superfina, so podcast across worlds, which is Hawaii's number one go-to for anime and manga. Uh so we got the chance to interview her, talk to her and and talk about, you know, upcoming Street Fighter Six, talk about stuff that she's done. Like she was the voice of Winry Rockbell and Full Male Alchemist, as well as the uh, voice of Hitomi Kanzuki in Escaflone and so many other things. Like, it's crazy. She's like done 20 plus projects every single year since 2014. It is absolutely insane. So get an opportunity to interview her. And then we're, we're only going further from there. We got Richard Epcar, which will be coming on the show. Dorothy Fawn. Um, we're going to have Ruben Langdon. We're going to have the voice of Todoroki, uh, David Matranga. He's also the current voice of uh, Ken Masters in Street Fighter VI. Uh, eventually, we're going to get Johnny Young Bosch on the show. I've had him on my main show. And uh, so many other people like in the voice acting industry is so, so cool. And so many other, you know, cool industry folks, not only just from voice acting, but just entertainment, gaming, you know, companies and so much more. We, we got so much that we're doing on podcast across worlds so much we're going to be doing with this show and so much i'm going to be doing with the cast of a podcast so it's just you know i'm grateful for the opportunities i have and i know like some people might look like ah oh, you know your stuff doesn't look all that great look at all this the stuff behind you and i'm over here like you know what i don't have a team i don't have this massive million dollar thousand dollar like studio to go and just shoot videos in and that's all I ever do with it. I'm a everyday stay at home working dad, you know, and hopefully that level of realism 
can come through to you guys who watch and listen to this, you know, channel and podcast. So, you know, that's, that's what makes me different. Like I don't have all the glitz and glam, but I, I keep it a buck with you. So that's, that's why I'm at, but, um, yeah, I, I'm just, it, it's just, it's such a blessing sitting and realizing like where I was and where I'm going, you know? So that was cool. And some of the other things I've been doing lately, like I haven't streamed really on YouTube in a long time. There's a reason for that too. My, my other gaming desktop died. So I've literally had in one month, two computers die on me. So my, my gaming laptop, my gaming desktop, they both died. And, uh, my gaming laptop I replaced with this Mac studio and my gaming desktop is off for repair. Hopefully they can fix it by this week, if not next week, but either way, um, uh, that's one reason I haven't been streaming on YouTube. I mean, I can stream from using this Mac and the capture card I have, but I've just chosen not to do that. Um, but I have been streaming on TikTok, and a lot of people kind of turn their nose up at TikTok. They're like, oh, you know, I guess if that's where you get your following, and you know, that kind of thing. Because a lot of people look at TikTok as just the thing for young people. I don't think a lot of people realize the opportunities that are there on TikTok. Like I'm about to get into the creator program where I can start making revenue off of, you know, just streaming and posting content on TikTok. And, you know, there's a thing that separates people who succeed from those who don't. And it's the willingness, especially when it comes to being an entrepreneur in business, it's the willingness to do what others are not willing to do and to put in the work that other people are not willing to do. So a lot of you who, you know, look at my content or listen to my podcast, you see the phone, the final result of it. You don't see the behind the scenes where, you know, I'm working with a different equipment, the audio interfaces, the mic, software, you know, the hardware, the playing stages, scripting things out, you know, trying to go out and also doing all that on top of, you know, having a, a two-year-old run around and, and teenagers. So there's a lot that goes into content creating uh, and, and business as a whole, you know, also there's the legal aspect of like, you know, trademarking, your name and your branding and, you know, getting a business license and, and getting your EIN and all the other stuff that goes with it. And, you know, I say all that to say that I, I've had a lot of instances like where I use a case in point. Um, a lot of content creators I've known, know, knew, and have known uh, and have worked with want to do this as a full-time career. I do this full-time, uh, not just YouTube, but you know, it's a spectrum of things I do that allow me to do, to, to work from home. And so when I have worked with and talked to other creators, they're really gung ho and ready to do it. And then when they see the amount of work that goes into not only, you know, you're streaming, you got no viewers, so you're making videos and barely getting views like they they hit get hit with that and then they they lose all the confidence and desire to want to do this and then you got those who not only have that issue but they throw all their eggs into the hat and if they don't see an immediate result then 
you know, to them, it's like, oh, you can't make it. And they'll be the ones to tell people, you know, don't quit your job and, and, and don't consider becoming a full-time content creator. It's irresponsible, all this other stuff. I'm here to tell you, it's a process. And if anyone is going to tell you that it's harder now to be a content creator or effectively an entrepreneur, they're wrong. Because the amount of stuff that's available to you now the amount of software, you know, the AI and all the other stuff that you can utilize, TubeBuddy, you know, vidIQ, all this other stuff that's out there to help you for like content creating on various different platforms is there. You know, we're at a time now where the barrier of entry is so low, but because the barrier of entry is low, you got a higher tide of people coming in trying to to do it. So your competition, and I know it's kind of a thing where people say like, you know, you don't really have competition on YouTube and, and, and content creating in general. You don't, but you do, you know, for everything you're unwilling to do, somebody else will do it. And the biggest thing for me with all of this is how hungry are you? I know a lot of people that, that start and stop, start and stop. And they don't have the tenacity to, to keep with this or generally anything. You look at a lot of things that they do and they start and stop all the time. And it's like when I see people do YouTube or they do podcasting for a bit and then they drop it, I'm not surprised because to me, I'm like, well, you didn't stick with anything else. Why would you stick with this? And that's not a shot at anyone. I don't want anyone to take that as, you know, I'm, I'm crapping on them because I'm really not. But it's more of a thing of where I'm like, you know, this like anything else, you got to look at it like sports. Like you're not going to pick up today and just start playing football and then think you're going to make it to, you know, D1 or so or and then, you know, go straight to the NFL. It's a process. You got to put in the time and work to be able to do this, to be decent at it. You know, anyone who makes it into the NFL is not average. They work their asses off to get there. And so you got to have that level of dedication to be able to do it. It's not something you're just going to roll over and do it. And then boom, all of a sudden you're viral. But you know, a lot of people, they just don't have that thing. And, and, and that's really what separates a lot of people who are successful. And, you know, case in point, like when I think about my, my, uh, the, the podcast my wife and I are doing, you know, uh, podcast across worlds, you know, me being the second co-host for the show, the first co-host this is not to run them down, but like they literally didn't take it seriously. They didn't want to go anywhere. And it went on to be something where, you know, conflicting interests, let's just put it that way. You know, you had my wife who really wanted to take it somewhere and a co-host who just wanted to fart around. You know, I'm trying to limit my cursing around my child. But, but you know, that, it's just one of the things like you, you, you got to want to do this. You got to be hungry. You got to be willing to put in the work and you can't. And I see it a lot where people get jealous of those who are succeeding. And to me, that's the most foolish thing because why get mad at them? If they got an opportunity, that means you can get opportunities too. You may not get the same opportunities they got, but you can still get opportunities nonetheless. Like case in point, all the people that stuck with just doing Steam Deck stuff and have blown up, you know, 60, 70,000, 100,000 plus, 
you know, subscribers on YouTube and, and getting hundreds of thousands of views every single week. That's cool. I'm happy for them. I'm not mad at them for effectively doing better than me in that aspect. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, I'm content. I get to make content on what I care about. I still make money to be able to take care of my condo here, take care of my kids, food on the table and all that. And, you know, I still get amazing opportunities to work with companies, you know, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, you know, Turtle Beach, Rocket, Need Mics, you know, who sponsor this podcast, Need Microphones, Turtle Beach and Rocket, they do. And, you know, all the stuff, you know, Pixel, like Google Pixel being a sponsor of the podcast, you know, the reason I have the Pixel phones, actually the reason I got two of them. One's my wife's, that's, that's hers. But, you know, being part of uh, Team Pixel, you know, and all the different opportunities that have come my way, I'm, I'm so grateful. I don't have time to be jealous, you know, and, and I know some people have taken like some of the things I've said before in the past, as like, oh, you're just jealous that these people are doing better than you. No, what I do is I call out selectively at times the the BS that I see, you know, the clickbait. I see that and I'm like, well, I see what that's meant to be, but I don't know if everyone else is. So when I discuss that and then people assume, oh, you're taking shots. I'm not taking shots. I'm explaining this so you can understand why people do it. Because at the end of the day, all of us who are making content, you know, be it podcasts, YouTube, or whatever, we got to eat. And so you, the viewer, effectively are one of the ways that we get paid. So people clickbait and you click on it because it's something sensational and like sensationalized right now. Like the whole thing right now with people being mad at Nintendo and, and you know, <laughs> all over the user thing and piracy and emulation and all this. And it's just interesting. I've been around long enough to see people's outrage over stuff like that and see a lot of it be fake outrage because it's like, oh, I'm, I, I'm doing this. I'm a call out Nintendo, but I'm also doing this so that everyone else who watches it will just hop on and see me as a good guy there. You know, there's, marketing manipulation around it is what I'm saying. And a lot of, a lot of YouTubers do that. A lot of companies do that. So it's just, it's what it is. Um, would I be mad at Nintendo? You know, am I mad at them for trying, you know, doing cease and desist and going after emulation companies? No, at the end of the day, it's their intellectual properties. Now, do they make it easy for you to like, you know, get their games beyond whatever is currently out now? No. I mean, even hell, a lot of Switch games are very difficult to find now because they had a limited life cycle. Try to get Zoneblade Chronicles 2, Torn of the Golden Country, the physical cart. Apparently, you can't buy it anymore. I'm lucky I bought three of them back when it came out because huge Zeno fan, you know, um, my wife had one, I got one, we got one, we didn't open. Same thing with each, you know, version of the game from the Wii original, the 3ds version of the Wii game, uh, definitive edition two collector's edition, three collector's edition. 
uh, X Collector's Edition for the Wii U. I've got Xenogears, Xenogears Millennium Edition, which is Japan exclusive, uh, Zeon Saga 1, 2, and 3, and the I've got the exclusive um, Collector's Editions, which are Japanese only, for those as well. And I've got the Reloaded versions. So it, it's just one of those things where I'm like, um, damn, I lost my point. What was I going with that? Uh, I was going somewhere with that. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Sorry. <laughs> um, the um, fact is Zimblade Chronicles 2, Torna. I mean, even base Zimblade Chronicles 2 and many other Switch games are not at all easy to find anymore physically. Digitally, yeah, you can get them all day. But a lot of people want physical games, and especially for legacy consoles with how the retro market has gone insane. And a lot of people say it's because of the pandemic. I would say it's actually before the pandemic is when a lot of them started to go crazy with their pricing. You know, with um, PriceCharting.com, people go there. Like, if you really want to know the prices of things, I, I highly recommend you go... Um, Check out uh, Super Nick Super Nintendo, good friend of the channel. He actually makes really good videos talking about, you know, price inflation and uh, de-escalation. And so, if you you know you're looking for really good content about that, go check out his channel. Tell him I sent you. But um, yeah, it's really interesting how before the pandemic prices were going up because I remember being able, and I want to say like 2013 or so, being able to go into what we had out here is uh, we've got book off, right? So being able to go into book off and pick up a PSP game for five, 10 bucks, right? So I was able to pick up a lot of PSP games I originally had that got stolen from me. So, you know, the, all the Ease games on PSP, uh, Legend of Heroes games, even um, some rare titles like Valkyria Profile Lineth, and even Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre. I was able to get those and many more. You know, um, for like five, five bucks, 10 bucks tops and even further older games like GameCube and, and PlayStation and Saturn and such. I was able to get those games for really cheap, too. But then come, I want to say 2018, 2017 to 20 uh, till now. You know, the the retro market is just boomed to the point where it's near impossible trying to get hardly any of these games. My Lunar collection right now, I don't even want to think about how much that costs. And I don't even have a full, complete collection of that because I'm missing certain things from my uh, Lunar Silver Star Story Complete uh, physical edition. But yeah, it's interesting how the retro market has just uh, climbed up. And so access to these games is really difficult. So you do have stuff out there like, you know, being able to go to websites to download ROMs, you know, archive.com is one. You've got other sites like, you know, uh, was it romance, CD romance and, and many others where you can go and you can get these games. Not all of them, but majority of the ones you want to get are, you know, Vim's Layer, that's another one. You can get a lot of them and download them. And if you got the emulator, you can play them. That's one of the big things with the Steam Deck is, you know, installing Emu Deck on this and being able to run 
pretty much I just hit my microphone and I hit my uh, whatever, you know, and, and being able to um, play these games, you know, on the deck. I mean, you can run stuff from PlayStation 3, mo not a whole lot, but a good majority of PlayStation 3 titles uh, somewhat decently. And 360, yeah, but, you know, on back, Wii U, Wii, uh, and more. You can play them, and they run, you know, some flawlessly, some not so flawlessly. But you effectively can play almost everything on top of PC right on deck. And any of these portable gaming uh, PCs, even with uh, retro hardware, so like, 3ds people are jailbreaking them because eShop's closed and installing games on it so you can do that you know the ds as well you've got stuff like the analog pocket here and then you can just well i don't have it in here right now but you can put like you know stuff like um you know, anything from cricks you know like the uh carts that let you Put all your carts or all your your ROMs and whatnot, and you can play even with something like that. You can play generations back these retro handhelds that are Android based. You can play so many, even ones with Garlic OS. You know, we're at a time where access to these games is not impossible. The issue is the fact, and I understand. This is where I'm like, I understand. The argument is that companies are not making these games easy to find, let alone easily accessible. So, like, if you want to pick up a physical, it's damn near impossible, one, to find it, two, for it to be a reasonable price. And then companies like Nintendo, who has legacy, you know, games and titles and such, they're not putting them all on the, the, the switch, uh, eShop, right? So there are a lot of titles that a lot of people want to play. They're not available. And it's interesting, especially with Nintendo. And I understand the, the issue people have with Nintendo with, you know, the Wii shop, the Wii U eShop, you know, these are very different. And then the Nintendo 3DS eShop, like they've got all these different, you know, storefronts that don't cross over into the other, and then every time a new successor console comes out, you don't have a way to easily access your back catalog. So in a way, your digital purchases, you don't fully own in a way. So people, you know, have an anger towards, you know, Nintendo for shutting down or trying to shut down people who, you know, offer ways for you to play it, you know, ways for you to emulate their consoles. I'm not mad at Nintendo for trying to to protect their intellectual property, but I also understand that Nintendo needs to do better and present a way for people to be able to play their games. Because here's the thing. As much as people complain about Switch tax and buying old games on Switch, if Nintendo were just to make all their retro titles from legacy consoles available, purchasable, people will buy it. We saw it with the Wii, the, you know, the Wii Shop. We saw it with the Wii U. We saw it with the 3DS, the DS. People spend money. So Nintendo does a lot of things backwardsly. So, and and I'm, I want this to be clear, too. 
just because I work with Nintendo and I know people that work there. You know, I'm not a Nintendo brand ambassador or anything like that. But because people assume that I have a connection or, or they know that I have a connection with Nintendo, they, they will say, oh, you're defending them. I'm not. I'm not. Nintendo is behind on a lot of things. I mean, how long did it take them to finally give us access to Bluetooth on the Switch, which is ridiculous that it took that long. So Nintendo does a lot of things backwards. Every company does. You know, do I like that they do cease and desist on fan projects of games? No, but they're a very Japanese company, very much protecting their intellectual properties. So am I going to be someone who's going to call out Nintendo like so many are doing? No. Um, there are reasons for that. One. The only points you score effectively by doing stuff like that is with your audience or people online. That doesn't, and I say this as someone who works with the gaming industry and tech industry, many industries, you don't want to make a lot of enemies. Hell, you don't want to make any enemies, to be completely honest. And... I would rather sit back and just let this pass over because it's the flavor of the month, right? People are mad now. The internet forgets. They're mad about something, then they forget. You know, goalposts are constantly shifted. I'm personally one who's just going to sit back and watch and continue to work with companies and continue to grow my brand. I don't want to, because at the end of the day, as much as we can have subscribers and followers and all this other stuff, that's great. That truly is. But when you get to a point where you are so emboldened to the point you call out these companies and then you get to where they don't want to work with you. And the industry is very small. I don't know how people don't realize that it seems massive, but the people who select who to work with, who give out the keys, who give out the products. It's a microscopically small pool. And you you piss off the wrong person. That goes around. And you can come up on another company who wants to work with you. And then once they get, you know, whoever you pissed off before gets wind of it, you're done. It, it's just how this is. And I don't want to be one of those people that, you know, I've got the subscriber base and then my content is fully monetarily supported by viewers. I don't want that. Like, do I want people to become patrons and channel members and all that and, and super chat and all that stuff? Yes. But at the same time, I don't want to be dependent upon that. If I'm going to get money out of anyone, let me get it out of companies who want to pay me for stuff, right? I'm like case in point, I'm doing a bunch of different tech reviews, right? Stuff that got sent to me. So, you know, for example, Western Digital sent me over this. I guess I need to push this hard drive. And all right, cool. They sent me over that. And I'm doing a video and I'm getting paid, right? I want to get my money from companies. I don't want it to be, you know, coming fully from people just because then you get the people who feel like they can control your content. 
And then if you ever decide to shift up, then people probably will drop you. So yeah, that's just where I'm at. I don't care about trying to be a martyr, trying to, I'm sticking it to Nintendo. You're not going to stick it to Nintendo. Nintendo has been around for nearly 200 years. You're not going to, you're not sticking anything to them. And in the long run, Tears of the Kingdom, which is the main issue a lot of people are having with Nintendo because it's been leaked out and people are running it on their Steam Decks already. Some are running it on their pirated Switches. Some are running it on their PCs. I haven't done any of that. I'm waiting, like a lot of you, for my collector's edition or my regular edition. Well, me, I got collectors and I got a digital. I might have a review copy coming in. But, you know, I'm not trying to make an enemy out of a Nintendo. Because I may, you know, and, and the reason, because I've been there and I've seen it before. You want, you don't want to make enemies in this field. You really don't. But, yeah, I'm I'm someone, I'm I'm willing to wait. Wait, I get it, play it, make my review on it. And it gets out to you guys. But yeah, th this outrage, it's not new. We've been here before. People have bashed Nintendo. I don't know how many people remember when you couldn't, you could not stream a Nintendo game. Because Nintendo would copyright claim you and strike your channel. Y'all remember that? Now, you want to get mad at Nintendo for anything? Get mad at them about that. Because that was, that was a ridiculous time. You couldn't stream any Nintendo game. Period. Because Nintendo Ninjas is coming after you. But like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like we need to better choose what we're going to get upset about. Because honestly, anyone who's pirated, don't give a fuck what Nintendo says. They're going to pirate stuff anyway. Am I condoning or encouraging it? No, I'm telling you to do what the F you want to do. It ain't my choice. You do what you do. I do what I do. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting to me. Um, so no, I'm, I'm not about to call out Nintendo. <laughs> I see people doing that. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. Anyways. So, um, I guess the last thing I want to talk about. I'm working on several videos so i got the apple watch ultra that came in big shout out to my, my wife for getting that for me so i'm working on a review of this i'm working on a review of my mac studio not max is it yeah the mac studio max i think that's the name of it let me let me look it up yeah, Max, uh, Apple M1 Max, Max Studio. That's what I got. So this, I got a base configuration of it, 512 gig, but I've got that hard drive and I've got a base with like uh two terabyte M.2 SSD. So I don't store anything internally on it. And this thing has been a champ. Video editing has been great. You know, recording podcasts. Everything I need I, is not had one hiccup whatsoever. I'm just blown away with it. I'm like, man, this thing is. 
This thing is amazing. So I've absolutely been loving that. So I'm gonna do a review on that. Apple Watch. Um, both the Pixels. And this is the, the case my wife is using. She likes this. This is my case for my Pixels. So she's got the Pixel 7. I've got the 7 Pro. And um, other things I'm working on, I got some Steam Deck docs, which I was actually surprised because I know I've said before, like I wasn't going to do any more videos on Steam Deck docs, but I've gotten two come in. Uh, one I'm covering mainly because I wanted this Nintendo Switch case, which is dockable, which is also cool because you can put your carts in there, even though I don't really use carts, almost all my stuff's digital. But nonetheless, this makes the base Switch OLED way more comfortable. So that's one. And I got this other one from Syntac, which is really cool. Um, it's a slim Steam Deck dock. And I'm I'm reviewing I just that one was one that just piqued my curiosity because I know they reached out this company, Syntac, they reached out to me months ago and I was like, yeah, yeah. And then they didn't get back to me because they, they missed my email. And then when they finally got back to me, they sent it over. So I'm working on a review on that. And uh, other than that, I've got um, some Steam Deck products that have come in from JSOC. So I've got this fan. I know this is not new, and it's mainly because I get a lot of stuff really late from JSOC. But I got this come in, and you attach it to your Steam Deck, and basically you turn on the fan. I don't know if you guys can hear this. Probably not, but this keeps it cool. And there's another one that they gave me, which I'll show you later on, or I'll probably just throw up a clip of it. But it's uh, interesting because it requires you to attach this magnet to your Steam Deck. And I thought we kind of agreed we shouldn't use magnets on Steam Deck, but I think this is also due to the fact that the um, you know, I think because they're using the weighing fan and not the Delta fan anymore, this shouldn't be an issue. I still have the Delta fan, so I'm kind of like, hmm, I don't know if I want to connect that, but it cools it and it really works really well. Let me, let me grab it. Actually, this little device right here. So this connects to your Steam Deck. It's from JSOX, right? So you just need to put the magnetic strip on your deck and then you connect this and you press the button. And I'm actually shocked. This actually does make it very cool. Um, I just wish I didn't have to connect that magnet to it. But um, I can see that this having a lot of uses, especially like with uh, my phone. So like if I were to game with it, I actually could see myself using more on my smartphone than I'd want to use it on my, my, uh, steam deck, but nonetheless, it's an option. So I'm going to be doing videos on that. I got more backplates. So all the transparent backplates JSOX has, they sent that in to me. So I'm going to do a video on one of them and I believe I'm going to do some giveaways. So I might just start giving away some of these accessories. I got a carrying backpack that they sent me as well. 
which is really nice. And some of the other stuff that JSOX has, I'm actually curious in covering is PlayStation VR 2 stuff. I have a PlayStation VR 2, and I know that hasn't been doing as well as a lot of people thought it would. But then, you know, again, the and I'm a PlayStation partner. But the price of it has been absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what's going on with... Uh, on top of it only being available through PlayStation website, apparently now it's going to be going to GameStop. But they dropped the ball with that, in my opinion. I think they could have done a hell of a lot better with that. But again, this is a situation where it's like, companies they they do certain things that just don't make any sense i think the sooner we can understand and accept that companies mess up and rightfully so criticize them but you know there's a way to give criticism and feedback without being disrespectful and that's something a lot of people don't seem to understand so there's that but anyways um outside of that like i said i enjoying streaming on tiktok I've been really enjoying that. Enjoying Honkai Star Rail. That game is so much fun. I know it's a mobile game. A lot of people don't like it. It's interesting. People think mobile games aren't real games. just like they think MMOs aren't real games. Well, I've, you know, it's kind of crazy to think that, but a lot of people do have that mentality. And um, all I got to say is like, hey, you played you play like what you like. You know, what's the current co- topic too with Xbox? people mad about what Phil Spencer said. And so they think Xbox is going to go under and I'm just like, Xbox ain't going nowhere. Microsoft has too much money. The only time Xbox is going to go under is when Xbox decide, like Microsoft decides they want to cut it like they did with windows phone, but they're not. So I don't see them in the whole Redfall situation. I haven't played Redfall yet. It wasn't something that really, piqued my interest i'm interested in starfield but not red redfall but you know it's just one of those things where i i see it i see the outrage and i feel like that's where there's a big disconnect for me with others who are in gaming both on the content creator side and the consumer side is the constant outrage over this and this is not just in gaming this isn't everything right now and i feel like you know, given that I'm 34, I'm B35 this year, I feel like I'm at a point where I feel like 10 years ago was way better than it is now in a sense of discourse. Like now people just, they're angry about everything. They're outraged about everything. Nothing's ever good enough. And it's just, it's too negative for me personally. So I just, I, I bow out of that conversation, but it is, it is, it's something. And I, I guess people, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, I don't know. All that being said, that's this episode. I don't think there's really anything else as far as like gaming news. Um, we, other than like tears of the kingdom is coming out this week. And yeah, <laughs> that's it. Uh, hopefully y'all enjoy this episode. If not, let me know respectfully. If it's disrespectful, I'm just going to be like, anyways, uh, hopefully y'all have a good one. I'll see y'all on the next one. Stay safe, be blessed. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned.